First of all, even though there's a government shutdown, we were able to find funding for today. So I just wanted to make sure you knew we fought hard all week. We contacted Washington. We were able to get this opened up for this morning. But I'm glad worship has nothing to do with government. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, Last week, we did our first lesson on this life of David. And just for a point of review, if some of you missed that, I would encourage you to hit the podcast and listen to it so you can get some good context. But basically, the idea behind it is, while others see a shepherd, God can see a king. And it really doesn't matter what other people see. It doesn't even matter what you see. All that matters is what God sees. And if God calls you and chooses you, it's irrelevant what other people think. And I gave you my own personal story. And so I hope you guys, if you haven't heard that, maybe you can listen to it to get some context. This week we're going to lesson two and how to play a mean harp. And basically the context of the story, this is right after David has been anointed by the prophet to become the next king. Saul, the current king, does not know this yet. Saul knows that he's in trouble with God because he's been a bad king, but he's not aware of the fact that David is the next chosen king. And we pick the story up in 1 Samuel 16. I'm going to read you the passage. And so this is the point. Some of you guys that I gave Pop-Tarts to, you might fall asleep during this part. This is the time to open up the package and start eating. Okay? Because it's a little bit long. It says, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the harp. And when the harmful spirit of God is upon you, he will play and you will be better. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. And one of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse in Bethlehem who is very skilled at playing. He's a man of valor. He's a man of war. He's prudent in his speech. He's a man of good presence. The Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey and put bread and wine on it. And he also attached a young goat to it as gifts to the king and sent Saul, David. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my eyes. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the harp and played it with his hands. And Saul would be refreshed. And he was better. And the harmful spirit would depart from him. So this is a fascinating scripture. There's, it's actually a, a problem text. It's a tough text because there's a lot of different perspectives on what this harmful spirit from God is. And so we're going to talk about those in just a minute. But, but the first thing I want to look at is the two results from God choosing David as his king. There are two things that happen that are laid out historically in this passage. The first thing is that the spirit of God's blessing filled David's life. 
Remember, we talked about that list last week. When the prophet anointed David, it says the Spirit of God rushed upon him immediately. And he received all the blessings from being one of God's chosen. The next thing is that Saul becomes troubled by a harmful spirit. And we're going to look at that word harmful and try to figure out what it means. But those are the two immediate results from God choosing David as the next king. Now, there are three possibilities. We're going to go through really quickly through this. There are three possible interpretations of what it means to have a harmful spirit from God. The first one is some people think that it was a demon or an evil spirit. A spirit like, you know, one of Satan's guys. who came down and he was tormenting David. I personally believe that is the weakest interpretation of this passage. The Hebrew word doesn't really mean evil. It means negative or bad, difficult. And so some people say it's a demon, and that's a bad interpretation, I believe, of this passage. Another interpretation when people talk about this harmful spirit from God that's tormenting Saul, they think it's a spirit sent from God. Now, this one has some merit, but it's also a little bit possibly a troubling concept because we ask ourselves, would God send an evil, harmful spirit? And so there's another possible interpretation. A third interpretation is that it's guilt, conviction, depression, or just a bad conscience. Maybe Saul is feeling guilty for all the bad stuff he just recently did that God called him out on. Maybe Saul is having this harmful spirit because he's nervous about impending consequences. And let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever felt that type of harmful spirit? I have once before. This morning. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, in the midst of, oh no, what did I do? I can't believe I got caught. I can't believe I just did this thing. I broke the law or I broke this person's heart. I betrayed my friend. I betrayed my family. I stole from my employer. I'm struggling with pornography or I'm struggling with, with addiction or I'm struggling with bitterness. And as you get caught in these things, what begins to happen is you can have this spirit of guilt or conviction or depression. And that's the third interpretation of what it is here. I believe it's kind of a combination of two and three. God has created us, especially us who are children of God, God has created us in such a way that when we live in violation of His Word, when we live in violation of His truth, life becomes more difficult. I've shared with you guys in the past about the fact that the way of the sinner, the way of the transgressor is hard, the Scripture says. And so what I believe happens is God has created a system spiritually within that which we operate especially if we are children of his and that system is this when we turn our back on what god would call us to be there is a natural warning sign that goes on and there's a way that god has created us that when our spirit is disconnected from his spirit there is this harmful negative spirit that overcomes us where you feel things just don't feel quite right and so, in many ways, this harmful spirit, I want you to understand, sometimes we look at this harmful spirit from God idea in 1 Samuel 16 and we think, God is punishing Saul. It may not necessarily be the case. It could be the case 
that it's a gift from God. God is trying to warn Saul. God is trying to help Saul. God is trying to turn Saul. And in many ways, when we experience that type of harmful spirit in our life, if you're a child of God, especially, that spirit could be something that God is using as a warning light. My wife has a, a new car, and it's a lot better than mine. And it's got this thing on there when you're driving down the road and there's a car in front of you that gets too close, it starts slowing you down. I really like that. I like to ignore it, but I still really like it. And so, but that's kind of a warning sign to make sure, hey, Joe, be careful. There's a car in front of you. You don't want to hit it. So that could be, and I think that's the strongest interpretation of what the author is talking about in 1 Samuel 16 about a harmful spirit from God. I believe it's a combination of the way God created us and a combination of consequences of a system that God has put in place that when his children turn from him, there is misery, there is conviction, there is guilt, there, there can't, and it can turn into, if it's not handled in the right way, depression, rage. So from a psychological perspective, the sound of soothing mu music could make that spirit depart from Saul for a while and he would feel refreshed. And at times, the scripture teaches us later on, we're going to learn about this in this study, the spirit was particularly bad for Saul and he was prone to raving rants and throwing things and throwing spears and putting people to death. If this bad temperament was indeed some sort of depression, and maybe it developed into some sort of bipolar condition or something like that, it could explain Saul's rapid descent into rash attempts to destroy David. Because later on you're going to see there develops this big rivalry between David and Saul. Once Saul recognizes who David is, Saul seeks to have him killed. And Saul becomes... To, yeah, you guys understand what it's like, and some of you can experience, I know I've experienced it personally, when you develop, develop a particular obsession for something, and it clouds your judgment. And sometimes that can be a result of this harmful spirit that God has created as a warning sign for us, hey, you're going the wrong direction, and if it's not dealt with properly, it can really destroy your life. And later on in Saul's life, as we're going to read, he becomes more and more irrational. He becomes more and more dangerous. He becomes more and more angry and depressed, so much so that David's heart playing doesn't help it anymore. But for now, here's what happens. David is very skilled. David is very talented. And David has an opportunity to minister to Saul. And now think about this. Rewind. We're not talking about a king ministering to another king. At this point, David is not king yet. Saul is still king. What was David? He was a shepherd. And I explained this to you over the Christmas series that we did last year, that a shepherd was the lowliest person in society. They were cut off from public. They never talked to anybody but sheep. They lived in the fields day and night. They were with the sheep all the time. They were kind of the lowest of the low. And all of a sudden, this little teenage shepherd boy overnight is anointed king 
And then by God's sovereignty, he is elevated to the king's court. And the scripture says, and what we just read was that, hey, Saul, listen, I know you need somebody to come and play some music. Maybe that'll help your spirit. There's this guy, David, we know of. He's got an incredible reputation. He's good with, with protecting the sheep. He's killed bears and lions. He's famous for that. He's a really good musician. He's a good-looking guy. He doesn't say stupid stuff. He's got a really good reputation. You ought to get him. He's a son of Jesse. He lives in Bethlehem. You ought to get him and bring him to your court. Saul says, go get him. And the scripture says, as soon as Saul met David, Saul fell in love with him. He loved the guy. In a very short time, David goes from shepherd to one of the king's very favorites. And then David is very talented with the harp. And whenever David plays, whenever Saul is having this to struggle with depression or guilt or conviction, this harmful spirit from the Lord, whenever it overcomes Saul, David plays and Saul feels better. So David has a great reputation. Great reputation of character for those who knew him. We see that in verse 18. Verse 18 also says that David has great skill as a musician. And then we see in verses 19 to 23, it explains how and why Saul develops much affection for David. Made him a part of his staff. As a matter of fact, you understand how vulnerable Saul makes himself to David when Saul is at his lowest point, when Saul is the most discouraged, the most depressed, the time you would not want anybody to see you if you were king because you look weak, he calls on David. And David goes in a short time from watching sheep to watching a king. Now listen, in verse 23, I'm going to read this to you because I'm just going to read it really quick. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul... David took the harp and played it with his hand, and Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. Listen very carefully. Verse 23 is not giving us a helpful hint about exorcism. It's not laying down some principle for how to use music to deal with harmful spirits. No, Saul finds relief from his torment through David because the Spirit of God has come upon David. Because God is with David. And David has been blessed by God. See, this story is about a little shepherd boy that God shows. It should inspire you. Because we have been blessed by that same God. We have been called by that same God in order that we might live for the glory of God and for the good of others. We don't just enjoy the glory of God. We live for the good of others. We declare good news. We demonstrate His good works. And we exclaim and express His love at every opportunity. But, and this is the important part of it right here. Your reliance isn't on your skills. No matter how good you are at playing the harp, your reliance is on the favor that God has shown you by making you one of his chosen. Just like he did David. See, guys, listen. David, being good with a harp, did not determine whether he would minister to Saul. 
All it did was determine how, not if. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's say David had been good at something else. We got this guy, David. He's a great man of valor. He's, he's a man of war. And he's, he speaks well. He's good looking. And he can knit a mean quilt. This guy, David, he's a man of war. He's got good valor. He's good with the sheep. And, and you know, he's responsible. And he can fight. And he speaks well. And he's good looking. And the guy, Saul, the guy can cook. You see the point here? Saul was a skilled musician, but it wasn't his musicianal skills that determined whether or not he could minister to Saul. It was the fact that God had chosen him to minister to Saul that gave him that ability. All the heart did was provide the way. Your reliance is on the same God that empowered David. So the question I have for you today, do you believe that the same spirit that empowered David, that took him from shepherd to the king's court, miraculous by the way, you understand how crazy that is? Do you understand how wild that is? Do you believe the same spirit that empowered David the shepherd boy to be king and minister to a hurting king is the same spirit that God has given you? The one we talked about last week? If God has called and chosen you, it doesn't matter what others think. Because that's the real question, church. Because if you do, if you recognize it's the same God that did the work in David's life, that's doing the work in yours, if you're able to have faith and confidence in that fact, then you will have the confidence to minister to even kings. And how you do it is really not the important thing because God has given all of us skills. The real question is if you do it. And the if is determined by God's sovereign grace. So, one of the things I like to do every once in a while is go back and look at my journal, my devotional journal. And it just so happens that First and Second Samuel are parts that I spent two years on studying many years ago. And so I wrote this in my journal a few years ago, a few years ago, geez, almost 15 years ago. And I'm going to go through this study of the life of David and different times I'm going to pull excerpts from my journal. There's things that I wrote in my own personal time with God for you to see. This is what God kind of gave me in my time with him in April of 1999. Our hearts are useless if our hearts are not first broken and humble before God, who calls us, cleanses us, and empowers us with His Spirit to do His will in the lives of those who are hurting. So, understand, here's the reason I'm sharing that with you, because God did something for me back in April of 1999 that, that really transformed the way I looked at ministry. And that was this. Sure, I had some skills and some gifts and some talents, but for a long time, a lot of my ministry was based on the confidence in those things. How good could I be at this or that? And it was less about the fact that God had called me, that God had chosen me, in spite of the fact, and as you guys learned that we're here last week, in spite of the fact that my seminary professors told me I shouldn't be in ministry. And I share with you, they were 100% right. 
Everything they said about me was right, but it was irrelevant because God had chosen me. And just like it was irrelevant what they thought about my weaknesses, the same thing is irrelevant what I think about my strengths. Yes, my strengths might provide the venue to help those who are hurting, but it's not the reason that I can help those who are hurting. The reason I can help those who are hurting is because God has called me, God has chosen me, and God has given me the privilege of following in His works that He prepared beforehand that we should stumble over. Ephesians 2. So as I close up here, we're getting ready to have the Lord's table today. We think about the way Jesus helped the hurting. Obviously, Jesus had a lot of skill, right? You know, healing the sick, water to wine, resurrecting the dead. That's pretty good. But the reason that Jesus was able to help the hurting wasn't because of just all that. It was because he was obedient even to death. You see how simple that is? And so we, as children of God, when God has called us, just like David, we have the opportunity and we have the privilege of helping the hurting. Saul didn't know why David was able to help him. Saul just knew he could. And that's not an easy job, guys, is it? Helping the hurting. But if you can have confidence that God has called you, then you know that He can use your talents and skills, whatever they may be. Let's pray. God, we believe that you are present here. That you desire for us to encounter you. And so as we prepare to come to this table, to receive this common bread and this regular cup, We pray that by the work of your Spirit within us, that you would give us your strength, that you would speak your word to us, that you have chosen us, you have called us to be your own, not for our sake, not so that we can be recognized. but so that we might be your hands and feet for hurting people all around us. And so as we continue with worship, may this bread and this cup be food for this journey we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we desire not to create any barriers for people like us who desire to be in relationship, in connection with God. And, and so we use bread that doesn't have 
gluten in it, stuff that would keep some people from coming to this table. We use a cup. We use fruit of the vine that doesn't contain any alcohol because that might keep some from coming to this table. Because this is a table where we are all welcome. All of us who desire to be in relationship with God, to know of God's amazing plan for us in Christ Jesus. And so I invite you to come. To come and receive these signs of what God in Jesus has done for you and for me. His body broken on the cross. His blood shed so that we might see the depth of God's desire to be in relationship with us. God's desire to work through us to share His grace with others. And so as we prepare to come, we remember the words of the institution of our the Lord's Supper. They're recorded by the Apostle Paul. He writes that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same manner after the supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread,